0: Welcome, everybody, to Pros and Cons, an ordeal withstood stoically on behalf of Riverdews and Don'ts. I am your penitent and scourged host, Rob, joined by... I am Quinn, standing before
1: you on bloody heels and shaking knees.
0: Riverdale, get out of town, is not so much a book to be read, but an atrocity to have witness born to. It's worse, still. This is the third episode in a row of it just getting worse. And this is the second to last one for this book. We're gonna be knocking out some chapters next week. Lots of very fast little chapters. The text we have to read for the next one is a little bit longer than previous sections, but really not by much. So we're really close to the actual honest-to-god end of this book, and still nothing has happened. And you should probably be able to tell from our initial tone what we're in for as we recap these chapters. I miss when it was fun bad. There was some fun bad in the first book, and a very small amount of it here. Remember being excited because there was going to be a Pop-Tate chapter? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. those were good days. Um, Everything is dark and terrible now, but the only way to get through this is to go through this. So it is probably time for our penance to begin. Chapter 18, Archie. Archie battles some Shadow Lake robbery and Black Hood-themed PTSD, and Veronica announces her intent to go down into the cellar. Uh, So we have, in fact, managed to skip back in time a bit with the shift to a new POV character. You love to see it. (laughs) Any excuse to paraphrase something we wrote at the end of the last chapter. Archie points out that it's literally now or never to uncover some sort of exonerating evidence, which, again, why are they cleaning up dead birds showering and getting in comfy clothes and setting up a nice dinner if they just have this one night to try to stop Archie from going to prison.
1: I genuinely don't know. This Their motivations and behaviors aren't tracking at all.
0: They arrive at Shadow Lake and cease to behave as though they are human beings.
1: Like, More or less. It, it
0: turns into this weird Twilight Zone thing of, like, human-shaped things going through human type motions but like lacking any context or like agency they just they're ju- they just get there and they just start doing things whether they make sense or not it's actually kind I, I'm of I'm still eerie. so
1: confused as to why the birds are their responsibility. They know where the birds are. They can jump over the birds if that's the only way in and out of the house. You just leave the <laughs> fucking birds. I know. Like, it's Veronica's parents' house. Everyone hates them right now. Just let them deal with the
0: fucking birds. But What? What? But if? But if we describe them and then later have them come back to clean them up after doing other stuff, we can write more about it, Quinn. You must remember what this is all actually about.
1: Uh, That's fair.
0: Ah, yeah. So anyway, they're setting up a nice dinner to have instead of a story. Uh, And Archie finds a note under the pillow of the bed where I guess he's planning on sleeping. So they're staying overnight? That's the plan? They're going to just sleep there instead of just working and then leaving? I was surprised to hear this. The the leisurely pace they're taking, it
1: sure does seem like they were planning to get here, like have a little get-together crash, and then do the searching in the morning, which doesn't make sense with the purported urgency of any of this, but that sure is how they're behaving. Yes. If the initial plan was to sleep over, after all the weird stalking and birds and shit, I probably would have pushed for, I know we're tired let's buy a monster energy drink or whatever
0: <laughs> yes and wouldn't like, that be power wouldn't that it? be good and sensible but no no we're not doing that but Archie finds a note on the bed that he's planning on sleeping in like an idiot that just says I know what you did well it doesn't just say that it says that like something out of
1: Jugheads horror movies <laughs> oh right of course and I, I don't know that. That bugs me, because everyone is referencing horror media all the time in this book. All the time. That is, like, that belies a child's understanding of the world. Like, oh, it's like one of Jughead's horror movies is something you'd expect, like, a ten-year-old to say.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, crucially, not only is Archie older than that, Archie has dealt with murders and crimes and serial killers right. and shit at oh, this yeah. point. It's just like my life. It's like out of a horror movie, or the entire last year and a half.
1: It's just like my life.
0: Yeah. Uh, very strange. And yeah, that's part of a developing theme that we've already complained about in this book of, like, all the characters are exactly the same in this book. Like, there's no difference between... I guess there's the only real difference because they're all doing the same sort of reporting of detail and they're all doing the same horror movie references and stuff. The only real distinguishing characteristics is that Archie is constantly feeling guilty. Jughead is constantly jacking off about the darkness of the world and betty is constantly jacking off about the darkness inside of her and veronica is not doing any of those things basically right there is one thing i do have to give her credit for slipping in one little thing
1: that felt characterful for me at the start of this chapter in terms of describing things from Archie's perspective when he's describing what Veronica is wearing after her shower. He says, There was Veronica again, wearing some kind of soft, purple, sweatery drawstring pants with a matching robe and silky top underneath. Even her casual clothes were fancy. She was reading those cute. She was reading those cu... Whoa, oh my god. (laughs) She was wearing those cute oversized reading glasses that she usually saves for hanging out at home. But that first little bit there of soft purple sweatery drawstring pants, like, it feels characterful to me in that Archie's like, I don't know what this is. So yeah, I'm just the kinda... sort of, like,
0: imprecise, like, trying to paint you a word picture because he doesn't know exactly what it is.
1: They're sweatery, but they have a drawstring. Like, I appreciated that. But that kind of characterization and, like, dip into the worldview of these characters in, like, a specific and tangible way is very much missing through all of this.
0: Oh, yeah, it's few and far between. The note that he finds sends him into a little guilt reverie about sort of expecting that Andre was going to hurt or kill Cassidy that night at Shadow Lake and just running away. Like, yeah, Archie, be guilty about not rushing to the defense of the person who tried to, like, rob and assault you and mm, trying to -to hand-to-hand fight someone with a gun who is also a master of the martial arts. Right. But Archie feeling guilty about stuff that it's stupid to feel guilty about is very Archie, but it is two full pages of pointless navel-gazing that has nothing to do with the present, like, plot or, like, the urgency of the situation. And if you think that's fun, we then get a page and a half of descriptions of food. Oh my, I
1: don't even know with this. So many platters and bowls.
0: They want to make sure everyone knows that they were there by leaving as many dishes as possible. It's really bad. It's it's, it's again, it's it literally it's like almost redwall song of ice and fire level. But instead of going into great detail describing something in like a sensory way, like just food porn, it's it's lists of food instead. Yeah,
1: it is the structure of one of those Redwall passages, but with none of the charm or specificity that brings you into the immediacy of the setting. It is just, there's sandwich fixing, there's a bowl of cut fruit, even bigger bowl of chips.
0: Yeah, sorry, constant readers. If, you, uh, if you're if you looking for the food porn, you still got to go with Redwall and uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Like Those are still the heavyweights when it comes to amazing food descriptions. It is
1: really funny to me that they just have like, Whatever coffee was on hand, this incredibly expensive
0: bottle of wine. They're drinking us like a six thousand dollar bottle of wine with like a bag of chips. That is some fucking chaos energy. I kind of like it. I would too if it was more purposeful. Mm-hmm. Well, like, of they course, nothing that happens in this book it. is fucking excusable. But they like,
1: s- they spent so much time like building up the bot. Like the bottle of wine got a chapter basically.
0: Yeah, and guess what? It's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> whatever
1: aside from occasionally referencing
0: oh no we were drinking alcohol yeah great uh veronica says that they need to recap and my genitals slithered all the way back up into my body when i read that <laughs> so, i was like yeah do you <laughs> you you need to what now fucking excuse what <sighs> anyway archie internally chides himself that he Knows he shouldn't hide the note's existence from his friends. Yeah, you shouldn't. But, and I'm quoting him here, I guess I just, Ellipse, needed more time. What the fuck, Archie? (laughs) We're trying to recap things we know about the case. And there is a threatening note that you fucking found. And you're like, oh god, I can't emotionally handle telling my friends about the immediate danger, so I will not. One of the few relevant things that has happened. Very few. And he's like, no, I can't talk about that. We have to just recap non-plot relevant things instead. They then recap in the heaviest sarcastic air quotes possible, but they don't have any information. Apparently, Archie. I- Freaked out.
1: I freaked out at the two sentences that was them recapping the situation. I just lost it. (laughs) Take us through it. So, yeah, Archie needed more time, and then Jughead says, Uh, not much except for the dead crows. Also, those twins being creepy back at the general store. He took a swig of his soda. In other words, standard slasher movie fare. You needed
0: to prepare your big feast... For this? (laughs) And Betty rightfully points out that these details are not helpful at all. That wasn't
1: very funny, Jughead, haha.
0: But yeah, like she points out that that doesn't help at all. Jughead, quote, begs to differ. He's being that
1: asshole who's like, no, nobody wants to be in on this bit. And suddenly Jughead is the guy who's forcing the bit. He's like, we're going to do this regardless of what anybody else wants. I'm going to make this fucking thing happen.
0: And I quote, If we're characters in a horror movie, at least there are guidelines and tropes we can refer to. And not only does no one say, well, fuck off, Jughead. We're not horror movie characters. This is real life. And cut him off. Someone does say something more or less like that, but not in time. We just list the rules of slasher movies for a full page and some change. Almost a page and a half. Of like, oh, well, you shouldn't have sex because that's a death sentence and final girl and just like the the basic of basic bullshit. You
1: know, it's like three and a half pages, Rob. Really? It's the the primary substance of this chapter. It's like a page and a half dedicated to laying out the framework and then yeah. two pages of them of, assigning of the framework. describing how
0: it's relevant to them, supposedly. It's really terrible. Like, it's just... Again, it's, it's basically just the scene from Scream, where he lays out, like, the common tropes of a slasher movie, and they even reference the film Scream. Twice. It's like this movie, and then they just do the same scene as the movie they're talking about. And then frickin' eventually Archie admonishes Jughead that they're in real life, not a horror movie. Then internally admonishes himself for not telling the real life detail of the fucking threat note. So he's reminding himself again that he needs to tell his friends the one goddamn relevant thing that's happened and continues not to. So then Veronica asks Jughead how they'd fare in a horror movie version of their lives, which that's why I said a page and a half and not, like, much Mm -hmm. longer. Because he just, yeah, he just lays out what the tropes are for a page and a half. Then Archie says, well, we're not in a horror movie, you dumbass. And then Veronica literally asks Jughead, well, if we were in a horror movie, how would we do? It's like she's doing a fucking BuzzFeed quiz instead of investigating the murder that her boyfriend is accused of. Shut up, Archie. Shut up. Shut up. I want to hear where this is
1: going. Jughead, (laughs)
0: continue. Yeah, and that's most of the rest of the chapter is Jughead describing uh, the situation like runs through the tropes that they all embody and points out that Betty would be the final girl, except that he just said that having sex puts you on the kill list. And he and Betty had like a lot of sex the last time they were here in this very building. Also, but he's been constantly doing drugs. Yeah, constantly. Const- that's that's, that's it's like her, her only... character
1: trait for this book is that yeah, she's doing drugs.
0: The- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get your fucking Riverdale facts straight and get your fucking your own book facts straight, Ostow. Jesus Christ.
1: I won't fault Jughead for not knowing that Betty's been on drugs the entire time, but he knows about the sex. And then I want to say before they get to the final girl thing, Jughead says this thing where he says that Archie and Veronica would be first. Quote, popular hot bitch and her horny jock boyfriend? Everyone wants to see them go first. And there's like this... This lead into the sentence that follows that, that had me scratching my head at why it's written the way it is. So that is followed with Veronica made a face at my stereotypes. <laughs> That's sure what it says. Which is just such a clumsy way to say that. Veronica it took made me a face a minute. at my stereotypes. I was like, wait, did Archie say that? No, that was Jughead. So she's taking issue with, with him being
0: called a horny jock? Which like it, it is pretty much categorically true for Archie. Also, Veronica made a face at my stereotypes. This is an Archie chapter, so she just fucked up because Jughead was talking a lot, so mm-hmm. she thought that she was writing a Jughead chapter here and mm, maybe and, is and that attributed what attributed. I mean, because the stereotypes can't be attributed to Archie because Archie's not even talking. This is Jughead doing well, a lecture,
1: right? And so I was like, is it the 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 stereotypes that were
0: given to Archie, horny jock? I don't think so. Although Jughead, yeah, is, again, it's referenced in third person right away. So, like, I don't know. It's like she forgot for one sentence who the point of view was. It's weird. Or something. It, yeah, it very caught me strange. Off guard. Jughead then brings up the absolutely breathtaking irrelevancy that the final girl trope was, quote, most recently reimagined in the form of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because, as we all know, Quinn, horror tropes ceased to exist and ceased to develop in 1992, when that movie was released. Despite Scream, the movie after which this scene is modeled, whose specific scene is referenced twice, was released in 1996, four years after Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What... what the fuck is any of this? Like, knowing that Nicole Ostow has written Buffy tie-in fiction actually makes it worse, not better. It makes me feel like that's all she knows about horror is, like, Stephen King and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, even though it's a fantasy show and not a horror show.
1: Uh, All Riverdale tie-in authors know about these days is Stephen King, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Eat Hot Chip and Lie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just, the final girl trope was most recently reimagined in 1992, so just... 28. ...years, didn't do anything with final girls. Like, Ready or Not didn't happen, and Midsommar didn't happen, and, like, every other movie. Like, Let the Right One In didn't happen. Like, it's... Twenty-eight. Years is a long time to just be like, this is the last time anyone did anything relevant with the final girl. It's Hell it's twenty-eight, the most... Rob. Twenty-eight. I can't do math, so it's worse. Yeah. The most recent Halloween movie was a, like, huge thing with the final girl trope. Because it was I... dealing with, like, what's the lifelong PTSD ramifications of being the final girl, like, when you're in your 60s.
1: And... Even Whedon has done more with like the horror
0: structure. Like yeah. he did
1: Cabin in the Woods. Yep. I like, so I'm not even eating... something
0: that you should ostensibly know about, Ostow.
1: Like, I'm <laughs> not just... horror literate, I, I'm not deep in horror. Horror uh, spooks me in a way that doesn't feel fun, so I don't tend to consume a lot of it, and I know that.
0: Yeah. It's. It's fucking wild. It literally is just like, here, I'm going to barf up like a little ax. Ac- it's, like, it's like where you burp and there's a little accidental chunk of puke. It's like that, but like the Wikipedia version of that. She just accidentally cited some some facts about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Who actually
1: because, has mystical powers to help her kick boogeyman ass.
0: Y- yep. Yep. So they sit around awkwardly not wanting to talk about how worried they are and certainly not wanting to advance the plot and we smash the goosebumps button super hard by having a huge thunderclap and everyone screams and the chapter switches perspectives. I lost
1: it at that. I was just like, "What?" Like there's again, it's one of those things where you might be kind of spooked like,
0: "Whoa, ho." Oh. No, no, everyone's just it is some goosebumps shit. Just a sudden, like, oh, a thing happens. Fuck you. Going to a different perspective. Also, I I have
1: some thoughts about what we're about to get into. This little chapter segment and then the lead in for the next chapter.
0: Oh, God, it's, it gets weird. It's infuriating. It gets gets really weird. So we switch to Josie's perspective because, you know, if we put some text in between now and the next time we're at that dinner table at Lodge Lodge, we might be misdirected out of realizing that the Thunderclap didn't do anything and we're still just doing nothing. Josie vetoes Val's suggestion that they all get commemorative tattoos, which, uh, given the number of gigs that they do based on the TV show, does Josie just have to talk this, this... Tattoo Goblin out of this like every time just over and over like the illustrated Val is what we would have on our hands If Josie wasn't there to mediate her impulses Maybe or maybe this
1: is just the one time they're trying to make it go extra hard extra special Which I don't know why because
0: it's a reunion I guess I don't know Reggie then randomly pulls up beside them in a convertible and it's American graffiti time bitches because he challenges them to a drag race Which they accept and Josie says, tonight, the pussycats grab back. And I had to resist physically the urge to vomit. It's in such poor taste. That is not what that phrase is about. It's in such poor taste. It's really, really bad. It's, it's breathtakingly awful. So we're going to take a slogan about people upset that the president is a serial sex assaulter, and we're going to apply it to the, it's just the fact that it's the name Pussycats. Like, that's it. Like, it's just that, like, the, 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 the the sound pussy is in the phrase and is in the band name. And like, that was sufficient similarity for Ostow to think that it would be clever to write it in her book. And it's actually like super insulting. (laughs) Why did this not get picked
1: up in editing? Such in what? That that's my
0: expl that's the explanation that I have. That's the for... only explanation, my friend. Uh yeah, this is offensive uh and super irrelevant, like not even if it weren't like problematic, it would also be irrelevant? It,
1: it just and it stupid? doesn't make sense. It's not repartee, it's not a battle of
0: wits, it's not cutting.
1: It's just what?
0: It's terrible. <laughs> It's so bad. The thing is, you know, if uh, Nick St. Clair was the one challenging them to a drag race, I might actually accept it because he's a sexual harasser. Right. I would still think it in in poor taste, but, but there's a justification there. It would at least make sense. It's, it's apropos of absolutely nothing here. It's disgusting. Yeah, we we just have to move past it because there's there's no salvaging it. We just need to we just need to to go past it to chapter 19. Oh no, but we're still here though cuz chapter 19 starts with Josie. What happened? You didn't You literally didn't need a chapter break
1: there, except as, again, one of those weird, oh, is this a tool for tension? But you pick up immediately. So the tension is in a page turn, and page turn reveals are a great thing in a medium like comics. Yeah, in comic books
0: where they fucking belong. This is not, this is not a comic book. It is not a comic book. It's true. Oh. This could not be made into a comic book either, because it's just people fucking sitting around. (laughs) It's true. Nothing would happen. Yeah, nothing happens. You can't make a comic book out of it. I'm so... There's nothing to illustrate. We're going into the
1: last chapter of this section of the book, the lake house section of the book. Yeah. And... Everything important that's happened here at the lake house can be summarized in those two sentences that Jughead gave us last chapter.
0: There were dead birds. Well, also, there's the crown graffiti that he just didn't tell anyone about at the dinner thing because he was too busy, like, masturbating about horror tropes. Right. and to actually share the relevant detail that he had. And Archie's note.
1: And the cameras. The cameras were off. So they learned like three things over the course of of, which
0: vaguely point at some sort of imminent threat, but don't actually get them any closer to solving how to like prove Archie innocent or anything like that over the course of like nine chapters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think I'm going to suspend even doing the math right now. I'm going to wait until the next beat of plot falls at Shadow Lake and then count from like where it was because it's. From them getting to Shadow Lake to anything happening is guaranteed like two-thirds of the book or more at this point. It just, it doesn't feel like I've started reading yet. Right, exactly. Terrible. Anyway, uh... So it's a non-POV switch chapter break that makes no sense. The drag contest gets called off in media race. I'm, I'm proud of that one. Ah. Due to Dilton Doily wandering around seemingly in some sort of fugue state and almost getting hit by Reggie's car. Um, so again, we have like a micro development of this side plot that at this point actually has moved more than the main plot has. Like the Josie, Sweet Pea, Penny Peabody, Dilton Doily thing. Mm.
1: It it sure seems like things are about to actually come together for a second. You think maybe, oh, all these moving pieces are about to start intersecting for a paragraph or two.
0: And that's the best we're going to get, Quinn.
1: It's important for us to note that they almost hit Dilton Doily. Like Reggie fishtails, like tail spins. Dilton might be hurt. Reggie might be hurt. And they basically just say, nah, they're okay and drive away The Pussycats just basically, it's not quite a hidden run. Yeah, it's true.
0: Reggie's well enough to get out of his car and check on Dilton. So they're like, well, Reggie's clearly not dead. And if Dilton's got a problem, Reggie can handle it. I guess we're out. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) What was that?
1: (laughs) In a small town? Yeah, not... (laughs) This wasn't just like, a oh, my God, who was that? Like, no, that was Dilton. He's a weird boy, but you've known him since you were a babe.
0: (laughs) Why are you just doing? Why are you just going away like this? It doesn't make any sense. Because they can't have any story happen. So the point of view characters need to leave if something's about to happen. It's so frustrating. I hate that I'm right. No, you're absolutely
1: correct. It's just so frustrating.
0: (laughs) Now for more text messages. More big old chonky text messages from Cheryl that Josie ignores. No movement, it's the same shit as before. Um, Tony's worried about ya. Worried about Sweet Pea. Whatever. Josie then informs Sweet P of Dilton's brush with death, and plans to meet him backstage after the Venom show. And then F.P. and Sweet Pea are texting. F.P. Jones, God do I miss him. He seems to have orchestrated this entire thing with connecting Dilton and Peabody in order to keep the serpents from having to be directly involved as like this devil's bargain to keep his people safe. Wow, that's fucking bittersweet. And it's actually a thing that F.P. Jones would do. I am reminded both of how Riverdale can at least sometimes have a storyline and how much I miss Skeet. Speaking of Skeet. And it honestly ju- yeah, no kidding. And honestly, it just hurts. It just, it's its mean-spirited of Ostow to remind us of, like, the f- small glimmers of non-shit in the Riverdale TV series, because even the shit in the TV series is way better than this goddamn book. It's cruel. It's its cruel. <sighs> <sighs> Betty, third perspective for the chapter, sorta. Uh, uh, ah! We... I just realized something. <laughs> What's up?
1: There's a Cabin in the Woods reference in the first yeah, two pages of this chapter.
0: Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be talking about that. Don't you worry. But we have to get there first, and Betty starts her section of the chapter with some internal monologue about how she is the common denominator in all the darkness in her life, and so everything must be her fault. This, by the way, is what she was thinking about internally while Jughead went over the horror movie rules. And the thunderclap that makes everyone scream interrupts her, interrupts her diary, Quinn, I know this is old news, but I still fucking hate it. She is writing in her diary her thoughts... At the instant that she has them, during a conversation about something else, and is interrupted by the thunder. I have no words. I have no words. Don't pretend to be an epistolary novel if you can't handle it. It's obvious you can't stand the heat, Ostow. so get out of Bram Stoker's kitchen.
1: It, it, it's wild. You She just really didn't need to use this framing device.
0: No. Fucking terrible. It just makes everything worse. <laughs> Jughead says, A storm. Just what we needed out here in the woods to really cement the cliche. We can go from Cabin in the Woods to The Fog. There's a reason Carpenter's films are considered classics. Cabin in the Woods is a Drew Goddard film written by Joss Whedon, you asshole. It's not John Carpenter. What what are you fucking talking about? Does he have any Cabins or Woods movies, Carpenter? No, he did not do any cabin in the woods movies. So, I have no idea where that came from or, or why it got said. Also, yeah, like what what does that even mean? There's a reason Carpenter's films are considered classics. What are you what are you saying? What has that to do with the situation that you are in? Never mind the fact that you only referenced one John Carpenter movie out of the two movies that you referenced. I I'm I mean, the only thing that I can even kind of do here in the most generous frame of mind possible is like oh now we're not in a cabin in the woods situation we're in a the fog situation and like that is why i'm talking about carpenters films because we are no longer in a cabin in the woods situation somehow despite the fact that they're still sitting in a cabin in the woods uh but like what are you talking about anyway there's a reason carpenters films are considered classic. yeah he was a good director like or is a good director i suppose he's mostly retired from directing but but what the fuck are you why why also Jughead the mitochondrion is the powerhouse of the cell cool relevance is helpful uh but they're not a fan of it they're not a fan of it in this no again it's just oh here's horror here's a fact that I know Archie finally fucking shows them the note thank god and Jughead, though, ruins it by actually fucking doing the I know what you did, parenthesis, last summer. He just can't fucking help himself. He has to out loud point out that I know what you did as a note is similar to I know what you did last summer, a horror film.
1: He tried to play it off, though. The sequel was
0: lame. Ha <laughs> ha. No one punches him. That's weird. Anyway... Between Archie's note and the camera issue uh, that Veronica figured out in the basement, uh, that's all we've got for clues, I guess, because Jughead continues to not mention the crown drawing on the window. And then, more thunder! The group screams, again, like they've forgotten what thunder is since the last time a minute ago that it happened. And the fucking power goes out, again. And that's the end of the Shadow Lake section of this book. I just hit myself in the leg so hard with the book while I was saying that for emphasis that I am actually in a little bit of pain. Nothing happened. Nothing. They found out that maybe they are in a dangerous situation, which is what they started finding out with the fucking van a million years ago in an age far more innocent.
1: Oh my god. So that was page 95 to page 239, the Shadow Lake section.
0: The section in which nothing happened. Nothing. Part three... Dead ringers, whatever the hell that means. Maybe it'll be clever. We'll find out. Oh, boy, does it start with a steaming turd of a chapter. Oh my god, it's so it's so incredibly bad. I This chapter this is,
1: pissed me off.
0: This is like I don't know whether to be more angry or to wrap around into just being amazed at like bad quality as a performance. She
1: tactically deploys flashbacks. Oh my god.
0: Jughead starts the chapter with basically saying, Wow, it was dark when the power went out. The only other time I remember it being so dark was, No, not as you might expect the last time this very night that the power went out in this very building, but rather a camping trip I once took with Dilton Doily, with the story of which I shall now regale you through another flashback. It's the second time the fucking power went out during their, like, dinner. And what it reminded him of was not the last time it happened, but rather a flashback that we get to read now.
1: God, I hate this Kill me. Fucking flashback.
0: Just fucking kill it's, me.
1: It's poorly executed on every conceivable front.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Ugh. Like, it doesn't hang together as this standalone narrative. Like, you could Hell argue. No. That the first flashback kind of did. The first flashback was kind of like reading small fiction.
0: Doesn't even have that to hang its hat on. Uh, Dilton Doily is doing a speech in Spanish class about the blood moon and the end of days. Which I love the idea of Dilton being so obsessed with this conspiracy theory that he uses it as his topic and learns how to talk about it in Spanish. Calling back to the best part of the day before, in my opinion, which was the Dilton Doily survival journal, like, screed about the end of the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, like, don't get your hopes up. This is the only flicker of quality anywhere near anything. It was just reminding us of, like, oh, remember when there was this one part that was really wild and, like, interesting and in how crazy it was? But no, he's he's talking to the Spanish class about the blood moon. Turns out Betty is worried about Dilton Doily's mental state at this point, and he's already drawing Ethel Muggs into his bizarre conspiracy theory world. And Betty, despite them not being dating yet, convinces Jughead to go with Dilton on a survivalist camp out, I guess, to, like, cheer him up? Somehow Betty wields this influence over Jughead, despite them, like, not having anything to do with each other? And, like...
1: I don't know that sure is a choice for reaching out to try to support the mental health of someone you're concerned about with all this end days stuff like yeah let's just go on a weird
0: spooky camping trip to your like to your refurbished mine shaft or whatever the fuck it is like your your like modified cave environment for surviving the blood moon super normal shit yeah yeah that's friendship so, but Jughead's gonna go. And I can't even make this shit up, Quinn. This is what actually happens when Jughead goes on this camping trip. Are you ready? I I can't. <laughs> you read it and you're not ready. Jughead realizes that he has no cell phone signal in the survival structure that <laughs> Dilton built in some caves. So he just fucking loses it and makes a break for it. Dilton dives on him and they fight. There was a tussle. In the struggle, Dilton turns all the lights off. That's when it got so dark that it was similarly dark to the power outage at the cabin. The second one, not the first one, (laughs) because this is not similar dark to the first cabin's power outage. It's the it's a similar kind of dark to the second power outage, which is different than the first power outage and more similar to the cave lights turning off than the other power outage. Are you following me? Jughead says, Oh, the dark didn't bother him. He had infrared glasses, which I guess is just a clumsy Silence of the Lambs reference and serves no purpose other than to reference external media And make Jughead's escape more weird, because he easily escapes someone who we are told can see in the dark while he can't. God damn it.
1: And why is he shouting half-hearted apologies for bailing after Dilton assaulted him? uh,
0: Sorry, I freaked out. It's okay that you're trying to Buffalo Bill me, I guess. What is this shit?
1: I... And this is to explain (laughs) and justify... Why Jughead is spooked by it being so dark, bro. We don't, hey, we don't even really know that Jughead is spooked. That's true. This is just a darkness that reminds him of another darkness.
0: It was really dark. You know what that reminds me of? That's all we get. That's all we get for this chapter. Back from his reverie, Jughead internally scolds himself because he needs to tell his friends about the crown drawing. But he just doesn't. He needs more time. For the second time in this section, we have characters with relevant information just deciding against sharing it for no reason. It's killing me. This shit is actively killing me. Veronica insists on going alone into the basement to check the generator and says, I'll be right back, which we finished in the last uh, chapter or two, talking about how that is the uh, magic incantation to get yourself killed in in a horror movie. You never say that. Uh, exact sentence. That's a big plot point in Scream. She insists on going by herself and insists on saying the phrase just completely like, okay, the phrase, whatever. We can be like, oh, I'm being defiant to your stupid horror movie bullshit, but she's going alone for no reason. They are not doing anything. There's no reason they all can't go check on the generator because nothing is getting done right now towards helping Archie be exonerated. There is literally no reason for them to split up. They're like, well, we can't let these chips go bad. What the... <laughs> mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
1: But she has to go alone.
0: Yeah. It's dangerous to go alone. Go alone. <laughs> it's
1: dangerous to go alone. I'll be right back. That's the end of the chapter. And that's it. That's it. What was that? That that provided nothing.
0: It's... Yeah. Like like I said, we've we've been on this run of terrible, terrible sections. And this, I think... Of the last nine chapters, these three are the worst, somehow.
1: Part two of this book, the entire thing has just been this
0: bananas nosedive, and then we go into
1: part It's not three. even a
0: wet fart. It's like a dry fart. It's this,
1: we go into part three now, we go into part three where maybe things will be different. Things are immediately- Exactly the same. St- and at the same time, so much worse. Yeah. That is an unjustifiable chapter to me, unless somehow it ties around- but why why was that the moment to deploy that weird Dilton Doily flashback exposition, if it is?
0: I don't know. I don't know. We, we can't even be like, oh, Dilton Doily maybe is the one uh, assaulting them and stalking them. Like, it, that wouldn't even make any sense because we just saw him in Riverdale and, like, he's got shit going on with... Uh, with uh, unless we clumsily are like, okay, the thing Penny Peabody is doing is getting Dilton Doily to mess with the Core Four so that they don't find any incriminating evidence at Shadow Lake. <sighs> like, the whole plot of the book is Penny Peabody on Hiram's instructions... Telling Dilton Doily to fuck with the POV characters so that they can't get a story out of the book. Th- that... Is that what we're calling? Is that what's happening? It honestly seems most probable of, of anything. If anything
1: is going to make sense or tie together, that, like, pulls the threads. But also, we have that weird timing, but we're not sure if things are, like, how asynchronous things are, rather. And... I'm just, I'm really confused because they spent so much time earlier talking about how fucking weird Dilton Doily was and how his vibes were so bad. And why didn't Jughead at that point just say, yeah, no, his vibes are super weird. One time I went camping with him to try to cheer him up and then he like assaulted me and shit when I wanted to check my phone.
0: I can't offer explanations. (sighs) It's not even doing
1: anything for tension
0: or or theme. No, This book is a fucking, like, literary oubliette that Ostow throws you into. I wish
1: there were themes in this fucking book. I wish there was something to grab onto.
0: Well, it's done the impossible. I'm looking back on the day before like, oh, God, that was so good. Nothing happened,
1: but in, like,
0: a mostly pleasant way. And like we said, things actually happened to Betty and Veronica. We only had to put up with half of the book not being anything. (sighs) But that's, that's it. We're in the home stretch now, Rob. Yes, indeed. Next week, we are doing a bunch of chapters because a bunch of them are like a page and change. We're just shooting through to the end. Uh, we're finishing up this god-awful book. It bodes incredibly poorly based on how much
1: time it usually takes for her to take a few steps back in the timeline and then re-establish uh, okay. the situation before she <laughs> advances anything.
0: There might just be one more scene in the next 40-some pages.
1: I feel like I'm watching Goku fight Frieza on Namek, unedited. I
0: feel like I'm watching Goku have a really boring, stupid conversation with <laughs> Frieza on Namek, Quinn. Yes,
1: yes, that is perhaps <laughs> more apt. But how, how far do you reckon the timeline will advance
0: between here and the end of the book? Them needing to leave Shadow Lake and give up. That's all there's time for! Right, but 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 predictions are like with the main show of Riverdale. The predictions are weirdly not good because predictions are based on like conceptions of reality that just have no power over Ostow right. or
1: Sakasa. You're you're using pattern recognition and genre awareness to project possible futures, and they exist outside of those.
0: Riverdale is just one gigantic complex ritual to the Lovecraftian deity Azathoth. And next week, we complete another piece of the puzzle. Another breath of this (laughs) dread incantation. Fuck. (laughs) It's so bad. I just just even going through the notes and talking about it. It just it makes me so angry. Hopefully, this is catharsis people uh otherwise we're just part of the problem i suppose yeah uh yeah so next time we're finishing up this book and then we're gonna go into season three of riverdale and like i don't want to get my hopes up too much but i know that like humans have watched that and been entertained by like how chaotic and shitty it is but like had a good time watching it because it's so crazy i can't go back to something that has actors
1: with charisma in it
0: it'll be too much it'll overwhelm you <laughs>
1: It might. It might obliterate me.
0: I look forward to, I look forward to seeing the ejecta of that explosion on uh, River Do's and River Don'ts. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us in this just inexcusably terrible book. Hopefully the discussion has not been inexcusably terrible um for my sins i've been rob and for the ritual cannot be
1: completed until the last word is spoken i'm quinn see you next time